thoughts. Praise the Lord. Alright, in the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, 11th, 12th, and 13th chapter of the book of Genesis this morning, we begin studying Abraham, the life of Abraham. Okay, Genesis 11 and verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah. The daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into a land, into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Iran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Verse 1, chapter 12. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered in their souls or in the souls that they had gotten in Haran. They went forth to go into the land of Canaan and to the land of Canaan they came. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. All right, God had called this man out of Ur of the Chaldees. Remember, Ur of the Chaldees is Babylon and all of that idolatry that was taking place there in Babylon. God has called this man to separate himself from Babylon. And as we go through here, the Bible tells us that he obeyed the Lord to a point. Now, first of all, let's talk about where he resided, his residence. He dwelt in Ur of the Chaldees. It's important for you to understand that Ur of the Chaldees was a seat of idolatry. It was a place where idol worshipers lived. And there was a particular deity that was worshipped there called the Moon God. The Moon God. Now, many people today in the world worship the Moon God. Amen. And they call it uh, Islam. Okay? So Islam 
uh, the faith of the Muslims is the worship of the moon god. So the place where Abraham was from, modern-day Iraq, was a place where they worshiped the moon god. Now we think about Abraham, and we think Abraham worshiped the one true God of the Bible from his birth, but he did not. Abraham was an idol worshiper before he found God or before God found him. Uh, Abraham in Ur the Chaldees, along with his father, would have worshipped the moon god. Now let's look at the scripture to prove that. Go to Joshua, please. Joshua 24. I remember speaking with a missionary about this one time, uh, that Abraham was a worshipper of the moon god or an idol worshipper before God found him, and uh, he was not aware of that. So, and so in the conversation I spoke to him, and I said, well, it's in the Bible. So you may not know that, that before Abraham came in contact with the one true God, that he was an idol worshiper. Amen. All right, let's go to Joshua 24. All right, beginning with verse 1. Joshua 24, verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. That means they dwelt on the other side of the Euphrates River. Even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Okay? So the scripture is very clear that they served other gods. In verse 3, it says, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, which is the Euphrates, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. So Abraham was a worshiper of idols. He was a moon god worshiper. Uh, when God appeared to him. Now go to Acts chapter 2, and then, I mean, Acts chapter uh, 7, verse 2, we have Stephen speaking concerning Abraham. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. The Bible says in verse 2, Stephen speaking, he said, Men and brethren fathers, hearken, the God of glory appeared unto our father Abram when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. So the Bible tells us that when Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldees, that's Mesopotamia, that the God of glory appeared to him. So he was a worshiper of idols, as the scripture says in Joshua, but the God of glory appeared to him in that land of Babylon, Mesopotamia. So that this man Abraham, the Bible is very clear that he worshipped, but he was worshipping the wrong God. Amen. So the God of glory appears to him, and the God of glory is a reference to the kingdom of God. It talks about the God of glory. This is the kingdom of God. Okay? You with me? So the invisible God of glory appeared to him when he was in Ur of the Chaldees. So God came and found that man. And uh, he noticed that this man was a worshiper. Worshiping the wrong thing, of course. But because he was a worshiper, 
God appeared to him, the God of glory, and gave him a revelation of the one true God of the Scripture. Are you all with me here? Okay, when he appeared to Abram, uh, verse 12, or chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 1. Go back there, please. He gives Abram a command to get out of Ur of the Chaldees, to get out of that seat of idolatry. All right? Amen. So the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. So what have we learned about Abram? There was a time when he worshipped idols. He lived in the land of Babylon, along with Terah his father. The Bible tells us that while he was in Babylon, worshipping these false idols, that the God of glory appeared to him. And when the God of glory, the one true God, appeared to him, he told Abram to get out of that country, to get out of Babylon, to cross over the Euphrates River, and to go to a place that God would show him. Now, to cross over the Euphrates, that's what the word Hebrew means. It means to cross over. So Abraham uh, has this revelation of God. God appeared to him, manifested himself to Abram, called him out of that place, Babylon, called him to cross over. And as a Hebrew, he crossed over the river Euphrates, leaving idolatry behind, leaving Ur of the Chaldees behind. But God had told him to also leave his kindred behind. Leave his family members behind. Okay? Well, Abraham obeyed God to a point. He leaves her of the Chaldees. He's no longer a worshiper of idols, Abram. He is a worshiper of the one true God of the Bible. He makes his way out of the Chaldees, but he takes his father Terah with him, and he takes his nephew Lot with him. So he did not obey God completely in God's command. Okay, so as we look at it, uh, the Bible tells us, if we look at the Scripture, going back into chapter 11, are you all here with me? Okay, backing up, now we, we see it in chapter 12, why he left the land, but we back up into the 11th chapter, verse uh, 27, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, Haran. And Haran begat Lot. Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren. She had no child. Now notice this. God told Abram to get out of the land he told Abram to leave his family behind. Notice what it says in verse 31. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. Did you notice that? So the Bible tells us that Terah, Abram's dad, gathers the family, and they leave Ur of the Chaldees. Remember what God had said. He told Abram to leave that land, Ur of the Chaldees, Babylon, and leave the family behind. And why does the Bible say that it is Terah that took the family out? Did Terah become a believer in the one God? No. The Bible is very clear. Terah never believed in the one God of Abraham. 
then why did Terah get up and uh, with Abraham and take all of his family out and head toward the land of Canaan then? If he never was a believer in the one God of the Bible. Terah was an idol worshiper the day he died. Okay? He never believed. The Bible is, didn't, is very clear. He never believed in the one God of the Bible. Then why did he leave? Or the Chaldees? Because Abraham must have uh, spoke to him and encouraged him to leave with him. Does that make sense? Okay. So Terah is still an idol worshiper. Now God had told Abram to leave them all behind, leave them in the land of the earth of the Chaldees, and to separate himself from family, but he didn't do it. He left Ur of the Chaldees, crossed over the river Euphrates, made his way toward the land of Canaan, but his whole family, Terah, his daddy went with him, Lot, his nephew, went with him, and so he was not completely obedient to God in that. What is interesting is that the word Terah, his daddy's name, means to delay to delay. Okay? So if you study the Scripture, you will see that as they journey, they're making their way toward the land of Canaan and Terah's with Abram, right? But just like Terah's name means delay, the Bible tells us on the way to the land of Canaan, they drop by Haran. Now, why is that? Because Terah wanted to go there. Why would Terah want to go to Haran? Because there in Haran, Haran means a parched place. You with me? Terah means delay. So they make a they make a turn and they go over into Haran, this parched place, because Haran had a huge uh, place of worship unto the moon god. Okay. Now, if Abram had obeyed God. And he would have kept moving. He didn't have to go to Haran. There's, if, if, if he would have done what God told him to do, see, Haran, you have to, uh, you have to keep moving about 60 miles beyond the cutoff. So this, there's a cutoff about 60 miles from Haran. And all he had to do was take that cutoff and he would have saved himself 60 miles of travel. And he would have went right up into um, the land of Canaan from there. But instead of taking that cut off, Abram and Terah, that family, take another 60-mile journey over into Iran because Terah is still an idol worshiper. Now, you have to understand something. In that culture, the people believed if you leave the land, you leave your God. Now, for Abraham, God appeared to him in Ur of the Chaldees, which lets you know the God that we serve can appear at any place. He's not limited to one particular geographical location. But you see in Terah's mind, when Terah left Ur the Chaldees, he left his God behind. And so they make that 60, 60 mile journey out of the way, not needed. All they had to do was just, uh, are y'all with me here? Just make this little cut and go right up into the land of Canaan. But instead, they went over to Duran because Terah was an idol worshiper. He wanted to get back to a place where he could find his God that he thought he had left behind. He wanted to, to go where the moon God was worshipped. And so the Bible tells us, as a result of Abram not obeying the Lord completely and totally by separating from his family and bringing his daddy with him, 
Abram, they went to Haran, but they didn't just stay for a few days. He was delayed for about 15 years. Because if you read in, 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 in the Scripture, if you see like in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen gives his record of the events and, and you study the Scripture, you will find out according to the Word of the Lord that they did not leave Haran. Abram did not leave Haran until his daddy Terah died. So 15 years, Abram was delayed from doing the will of God because he did not obey the Lord completely and totally. He took his daddy with him. Okay? So, you know, oftentimes God will tell us to separate ourselves, but He'll tell us to go to certain places that, that we're not familiar with, so on and so forth. We've got to do it by faith. And sometimes we can make a geographical relocation because God has, a, has told us to do that. Oftentimes it's easier to make a geographical relocation than it is to separate from your family. See? And as a result of Abraham not doing what God told him to do to separate from his father, you with me? It delayed Abraham for 15 years. He had to wait for his daddy to die. And after his daddy died in the land of Haran, then Abraham, the Bible is very clear, made his journey to the land of Canaan. Now what does this teach us? It teaches us that when God comes to us and He tells us to separate ourselves, well, we have to obey God completely and totally. And sometimes God calls us to places and geographical locations. And uh, along with that, He will say, you're also going to have to separate yourself from your family because your family is going to hinder your call. It's going to hinder the work of God that God has called you to do. So you're going to have to separate yourself from your family. Now obviously, we're not talking about a husband separating from his wife to go do the will of God. We're not talking about a wife separating from a husband. We're talking about like mom and dad, you know. We're talking about brothers and sisters. That's the context here. God didn't tell Abraham to separate from Sarah. Sarah, or you know, later she'll be called Sarah. He didn't tell him to separate from his wife. He's talking about separating yourself from idol worshipers. Separate yourself from family members like mom and dad and brothers and sisters that are ungodly, that will hinder your or my walk with God, will hinder what God has called us to do. So a lot of times uh, we can separate ourselves from a geographical place, but we have a hard time separating ourselves from family members that will hinder us from serving God the way that we should serve Him. You see, oftentimes family members are the ones who hinder us in our walk with God. You know that, don't you? I'm not preaching something new to you. You know that. See, once you started worshiping the one true God of the Bible, there's only one God. His name is Jesus. Are you all with me here? In fact, John 8 is very clear on this, this passage right here that... Um, um, that Jesus, as God, preceded Abraham. He lived before Abraham lived because he was the God of Abraham. And the one that appeared to Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees was Jesus. 
Jesus didn't have his beginning in the New Testament. Jesus was the one God of glory, the eternal God uh, that appeared to Abraham. So if you'll understand what I'm saying, as to his sonship, he had a beginning. But as to his deity, Jesus had no beginning. He's the eternal God. He's the God of glory. So it was Jesus that appeared to Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees as God. Does that make sense to you? And when Jesus in John chapter 8 was talking to the religious leaders, he said, before Abraham was, I am. He is the I am that I am. He's the eternal God. He's the God of glory that appeared to Abraham and called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. And you know, and, and I know as we worship the one true God of the Bible, that our greatest battles come from family members that don't want to worship the one true God of the Bible. Your family members can be the very thing that hinders your walk with God. That's why when you come to God, God calls you to separate yourself. Not just geographically, but separate yourself from anybody and anything, including family members, that will hinder your walk with God. And I find it sometimes really uh, difficult to understand, I'll be honest with you as a pastor, how that some of you, and, and I have family members, and you know, uh, some of them we see, some of them we don't bother to see. We don't want to see them. We don't want to have anything to do with them. Okay? Uh, because to us they are hindrances. But, you know, I will say this. It's okay for you to have a connection with your family. Just don't compromise with, with your walk with God. Don't compromise with them. Amen? You know, and sometimes if you're not careful, you get around these ungodly fam family members and, and they start, you know, rubbing off on you. Well, alright, if you want to be connected to them, then don't, don't, compromise your walk with God or your relationship with God. They need to know where you stand and they if they're doing things that are wrong in their life, you need to let them know that you do not agree with the lifestyle they live. Amen? Now, in this case, Abraham was told by God to completely get away from them. Not, 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 just, not just to stay connected to them, but you worship God and let them worship idols. God said, you get completely away from them. And God in His wisdom knew why He had to tell Abram that. Because Abram took Daddy with him and it delayed him 15 years. You with me here today? That's a sad thing. If Abraham had obeyed God instantly and totally, he would not have been delayed in fulfilling the will of God. So when God comes to us and He requires of us sometimes very difficult things, I don't think that would have been easy for Abram, uh, the son of Terah, to look at his daddy one day and say, Daddy, God told me to leave my land and to leave you behind. I don't think that would have been easy for Abram, just, just like it wouldn't be easy for me or for you if God came to us and told us to do that. It's never easy when God comes and told, tells us to separate from geographical locations or... Amen. Number one, we're going to separate from idol worship. Alright? It's not easy for us to uh, sometimes be called to move to certain places to fulfill the will of God. But if God says, now you've got to separate from that family member because that family member is going to hinder your relationship with God. And I don't think it would be easy for Abraham to go to his father and tell his father that and to do that. But that's what God required. 
And sometimes God will come to you and He'll tell you, you've got to separate from that family member. And I, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. Because you're going to have to go on. You're going to have to continue to worship God. You're going to have to continue to live for the Lord and serve the Lord. And those family members don't want to serve God. And when God tells you to break it off, cut it off, and separate yourself from them, that would not be an easy thing. But that's the very thing God told Abram, your father in the faith, to do. He's an example of all true believers as the father of the faithful. That when God comes to us and calls us to separate ourselves completely and totally from the world and from even family members that would hinder our relationship with God, we are to obey Him. No matter how hard it is, no matter how painful it is, no matter how difficult it is. Because they have their way and God has His way. God has His kingdom. And there's another kingdom in this world. It's the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of Satan. Amen? And for you and I to serve God and to walk with God, sometimes that means that your family members are not going to. But you've got to make up your mind like Abraham did. And you've got to make, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to worship the one true God of the Bible. I'm going to serve the God of glory. And uh, my family members, you know, they may want to tag along for a little while to check it out. But sometimes it's only a delay for the will of God. Now that, I want you to understand something. This was a human being. Abram was a human being. When God came to him and appeared to him and told him to separate not only from his geography, but from his family, that must, that would have been very difficult. And we see that it was difficult for Abram because he took his dad with him. He just couldn't bring himself to that place of obeying God at that level. He took his dad with him. And Terah, as I said, his name means delay. Abram was delayed for 15 years. And then finally when his daddy dies, sad to say, when daddy's out of the way, now Abram will go and do what God called him to do. How many love God that much? You love God that much. Well, I will tell you this morning, that will be tested. See, it's one thing to say, I love God more than anything. I love God, you know, more than this house or more than this location or more than my family. It's easy to say that. But that will be tested. And when that's tested, when that test comes to you, do you love God more than anything? Do you love Him more than family? When, it's, when it comes really down to it, we're going to find out. God's going to find out. What is more important to you than anything in this world? Is it God or is it your family? And God will put that to the test. Amen. And what we have to do is, when we're put to the test in this area, we just, okay, whatever God, it's painful, it's difficult, it's hard, but you're my God. My family's not my God. My, my sister's not my God. My brother's not my God. My mother's not my God. My, are y'all with me here today? You're my God. Amen? My daughter's not my God. My son is not my God. My wife is not my God. 
Jesus is my God. And when He comes and He requires of you and I to separate ourselves from people that we love, that's not easy. That's hard. And most people, church, fail in the same area that Abraham failed in. Abram at this time. They fell in that very area. They let family members get in their way concerning the will of God in their life. And I will tell you, you might think, well, that's, you know, it's family. We're supposed to love family and we're supposed to love each other. Yeah. But if God tells you to separate yourself from them, you better do it. Amen. How many of y'all believe the word of the Lord today? And, and, it, and I promise you, it is not easy. It is not easy. There's nothing easy about it. That's why I tell you, this man failed in this area. Because it wasn't easy to do. God, God doesn't expect you to have no feeling. He doesn't expect you to have no emotion concerning these things. He, he doesn't come to Abraham and says, Now, you know, I don't want you to feel the pain. I don't want you to, to experience the hardship of what I'm requiring you to do. Go ahead and feel it, but I still require it of you. But Abraham, the one who could give up the geography of the Ur of the Chaldees and cross over the river Euphrates and become the first Hebrew of the Bible. By the way, he was the first Jew. and He's the one from who Jesus would come, the family whom Jesus would come. He's very important in the Bible. He's called the father of the faithful. Do we really love God? Do we really love Him? He's the example to, for us. Not the example of the world. Not uh, based on what the opinion of the world is about how you and I are supposed to be related to my family. Forget that mess. The world's ways of doing things are not the way God does things. And if you try to handle family the way the world handles family, it's going to mess you up. You, you've got to be willing to do it God's way. You've got to be willing to go the way that God has called you to go, even if it means your family's not going with you. So it became a stumbling block for Abraham, and God knew it would. So that's why he required it of Abram. But he just, he just couldn't do it, or just wouldn't do it, and ended up in Haran, surrounded by the moon god worship once again, and until his daddy finally dies, not until does Abraham do the will of God in his life. Praise the Lord. It's a bad place to be. It's a bad place to be to take family along with you and be delayed in fulfilling the will of God in your life. See, some of you, you're here. You're here physically this morning. Physically, you're here. And maybe some of you have moved geographically. But there's something still inside of you that's hindering your relationship with God. And it's your family. Either, either alive or dead, they're still hindering you today. Because you're so caught up. You're more caught up with the things of your family than you are the things of God. And I promise you right now as I speak, the Word of the Lord is being applied not by your pastor, but by the Holy Ghost to your life. That until you are willing to separate yourself from even your family, 
you will be delayed in your life. You've got to go all the way with God and God requires us to go all the way with Him. How many of y'all hear that today? You say, well, Pastor, I want to hang around my family because I'm trying to win them to God. Of course. Of course. But what after years and years and years and years like Tara, you never see them move toward worship of the one true God that you serve. Tara never became a believer in the God of Abraham. Never. Isn't that sad? That the father of the faithful a former Iraqi who came out of Babylon, crossed over the river Euphrates, took his dad to Haran. Isn't it sad that that man Abraham, the father of the faithful, his daddy never became a believer. Never. Never. Maybe Abraham had hope. Maybe that's why he took Terah, his dad, with him. Well, maybe if I take dad with me, you know, and... Uh, <clears throat> He's with me for a while. Maybe I can influence him a little more. No, it only hindered Abraham. It never influenced that man, Terah, to become a believer. Isn't that sad? How many want to see your family members, your brothers and your sisters and your moms and your dads and your grandmas and your grandpas and sons and your daughters and your wife? Are you all with me here today? You want to see them saved. But if God comes and tells you to separate, he's telling you that for a reason. Because no matter how much you try to influence them, they're just not ever going to believe and worship the God that you worship. And that's hard. That's hard to handle. And I'm like you. I love my mother. I love my sister. I, I love my family members. But they're traveling a different road than I'm traveling. And I've made up my mind a long time ago you understand what I'm saying today? As I preach to you this morning, you're looking at the only one God, Jesus' name, baptized, Holy Ghost filled, speaking with other tongues, believer in my whole family. The only one. Eighteen years of age, raised in, in a, a, a church... The Lutheran church, I learned a lot of good things in the Lutheran church. A lot of good things, but not nearly enough. They brought me to God to a point, but that was it. Eighteen years of age, God revealed Himself to me that He is one God and that His name is Jesus. And I had no problem believing that Jesus is God when that was revealed to me. When that minister showed me in the word of the Lord that I needed to be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost contrary to my religious tradition and contrary to the way that I was raised. When I saw that in the Bible, when that minister showed me that, I looked at that man and I said, you know, I was raised in church, but nobody has ever showed me that before. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. And I said, I see it's in the Bible that I need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, I want to do it. I walked out of the church of my mother. Are y'all here? 
I was water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. I have a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. I worship one true God. And I am the only one in my family to this day that has been willing to do that. And some of you are the same way. You're the only ones in your family today that when the truth came to you, the one God of the God of glory, Jesus Christ, came to you and revealed Himself that He was the God of glory. And you saw that in the Word of God. And you saw that you needed to be baptized in His name and be filled with His Spirit. You said, I believe that. Even though mom and dad don't believe it, even though they're not in this way, I do. And I'm going that way because the Bible shows me. The Bible has showed me the way, showed me the truth. And even if it means my whole family doesn't go, I'm going to do it by myself. And I'm telling you today, from the age 18, and I'm in the early 50s now. I think it's 52 last I counted. From 18 to 52, I've walked with the Lord by myself in this truth in relationship to my family. And sometimes you've got to be willing to do that. You've got to be willing to say, I've, I've got a revelation that Jesus is God. He's the God of glory. I've got a revelation that I need to take His name. I, in baptism, I've got a revelation. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you do that, your family's going to fight you. They're going to tell you, you don't have to do that. That's not necessary. Just accept Jesus and you're going to heaven. They will tell you that all day long. But I saw it in the Bible. You think, Abraham, but God, this is my daddy. This is my father. How can I leave him behind, God? Would you require that of me? The Lord said, yes. Oh, Lord, you're not like that. You'll let me get away with that. No. If you do, if you don't obey, your family is going to be a hindrance. So I'm just telling you as a testimony today, from 18 to 52, which I believe that's what I am, I had to make that decision for myself. And the grace of God is there. His strength is there to help you to live for God even when mama won't, even when you're with me here. Now, I pray my mother's saved. I pray that she ends up going to heaven. I pray in the, in the ultimate sense. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want anybody, any of my family members to go to hell. But I'm not going to hell with them. Because there's nobody worth dying and going to hell for. Your mother, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, nobody's worth dying and going to hell for. And if it's in this Bible... I have a choice to make. I'm going to do it Mama's way or I'm going to do it God's way. And I'm preaching by the Holy Ghost today to you because I'm just letting this Lord speak through me this morning because some of you are going to have to make some decisions that are going to take you out of denominational systems. It's going to take you out of churches that don't preach all of the truth. And you're going to get a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And you're going to get a revelation of Jesus' name, baptism. You're going to get a revelation of the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. But that's essential. And when you get it, you're going to have to separate yourself. 
from a lot of people and a lot of places that you were once connected to. But I promise you, if you do it, there's promises connected to the precepts. And as soon as Abraham, as soon as daddy died and Abraham began to get to do the will of God, get back in the will of God, it took him 15 years. The Bible tells us that the blessings begin to come to Abraham. And God made seven promises to Abraham. You see, see, God will come to you with the precepts. He'll come to you with the Word. And then when you obey the Word, He says, Now, alright, what I'm asking you to do is difficult. But if you'll obey Me, there's promises connected to the precepts. And there are seven promises that God gives to Abraham in chapter 12, in the beginning of those verses, those early verses, seven promises that God made to Abraham if he would be willing to leave his land, leave his family, and go to a land that he would show him. Isn't it good to know that that's the kind of God we serve? That sometimes he comes in the precepts and the requirements of his word will cause us to be separated from family members and, and so on and so forth. But connected with that, there are blessings that come to us when we obey him. Amen. So the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. You don't only have to separate yourself from, from the land and the family. You, you, he's got to obey the word of the precepts of God. He said, and then when you do that, I'm going to show you the land. He didn't show Abraham the land and say, here's where you're going. He said, you're going to have to separate yourself from Ur of the Chaldees. You're going to have to separate your family. And after you separate from them, then I'll show you where you're going. But God, how's this going to look to the world? How's this going to look to people that know me? How's it going to look to my family members if I just up uproot from where I live. Amen? Leave my family back here and go to this land and I don't even know where I'm going. How's that going to look? People ask you, where are you going? Don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, God just told me to, to leave. He told me to separate and I'm separating. I'm leaving my, my land. He told me that when I do that, then He'll show me where I'm going. But i got to separate myself. i got to do that. Obedience first. And then after I obey, then as I'm on my journey, then God will show me where I'm going. Wow. You talk about faith. What if God appeared to you or talked to you and said, I want you to go, you know, I want you to leave all this behind and I want you to go somewhere. Where are we going, Lord? Don't know. I'm not going to tell you yet. And your neighbor would see you packing up the U-Haul. And they ask you, where are you going? Don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I just know God told me to separate myself from all this stuff and separate myself from my family. I don't know where I'm going yet, but as soon as I get in the truck and start it up, God's going to tell me that's where you're going. And those people are going to look at you like you're crazy. But each step of obedience, exercising his faith, brought revelation. Abraham. Amen. Are you with me here? Hallelujah. 
It's sometimes harder. God tells you to do somebody hadn't told you the next step. Wow. Pack the U-Haul up before you know where you're going. Whoa. See, that's the world doesn't do that. The world doesn't respond that way. They don't. They can't relate to that because they're so fleshly and they're so carnal and and they're they're controlled by their mind, their brains, their thoughts instead of by faith. So as soon as this man was willing, God showed him to a land that I will show thee. Hallelujah. Well, God finally showed him where he was going to go to the land of Canaan. But he did it all by faith. Totally insane from the world's perspective. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, the way you and I worship, the one God that we worship and, and the, the new birth that we preach, it's in the Bible, but it's the people in the world don't understand it. They look at your life of holiness, separation unto God, and these various things that we, we observe that are in the Word of God that called us to live a separated way and a separated life. People in the world look at that, they, don't, they just don't get it. I don't believe God would tell you to do that. Really? Abram, I don't believe that God would tell you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. You were born and raised here. I don't believe God would tell you to leave your family members. Come on, God don't talk like that. Yes, He does. You're doing all this and you're doing it by faith. God showed you where you're going. Not yet, but He will. He said, He will show me the land. Oh, I don't believe God would tell you that. See, that's the carnal mind. Once you see it in the Word of God, you have to exercise faith in the Word of God. It's going to go contrary to what your family thinks, what the world thinks. It's going to go contrary to your emotions and to your feelings. Hallelujah. And sometimes it's difficult. And the world will scream all day long, God, God doesn't require that. He, you're not, that's not God. Yes, it was. It was God. God will call you when it comes to when it comes to salvation to separate yourself to the truth. I will repeat myself, even if it means you've got to relieve leave systems, religious systems that you were a part of. Family members are not going to walk that way. God's got a call on your life. How many of y'all are willing to obey God? And you know what happens? Let me just say this with you, to you, because. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on. When truth comes to us, have you ever been there where the Word of God is wrestling with us? And you'll do everything. You'll run the other way. You're like Jonah. You'll run the other way. Amen? He was a prophet of the Lord running from the will of God. The Word of God was wrestling with that man. Amen? And more truth that comes to us, when more truth comes to us, it's challenging to us. Because we believed a certain way to a certain, you know, at this point, and now we're being challenged to walk in more truth, and it's not easy sometimes to that flesh. And, it, and this thing goes on, this battle goes on in your mind. But it's in the Word. But my former preacher said, but it's in the Word. Mom and Daddy said, but... God, I know it's in the Word. And you, you will. You, you, the Word of God will wrestle with you. And you, you'll start trying, well, I, I need to get away from those people. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get away from those people. Hallelujah. Because they're preaching things I didn't even know about. They're preaching things I never heard about. They're saying things in that. It's in the Word of God, but look at everything I'm going to have to give up. Are you with me? And it, it, it's not going to be acceptable. It's, it's not going to be acceptable when I tell the people I've got more truth than I had before. You think they're just going to accept that? They're going to accept? No, 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 no. You're saying that's not necessary. But you saw it. God revealed it to you. It's in His Word. It wasn't just a man speaking it to you, but God revealed it to you. And when you saw it, you said, I don't care if I, if mom and dad come with me, dad, um, anybody comes with me in my family, I'm going to obey this Word because it's in the Bible. And I don't care if it looks strange to the world, looks strange to my family, looks strange to anybody else. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Actually, God said it, and that settles it, whether you believe it or not. And the Word of God will wrestle with you. And you don't like that. Because you were comfortable until the revelation came. Now you're challenged. See, the more truth that I... See, truth... Let me tell you. See, truth is not a destiny. Truth is a highway. And when we walk around as, you know, apostolic Pentecostals, we say, we have the truth. You have the truth? You have the truth? No. Truth's a highway. I'm still gaining truth. And there's truth that comes to your pastor. There's truth that comes to you even after you are willing to, amen, obey that form of doctrine which was get delivered to you from the apostles. There's still more truth that comes to you. And it keeps coming to you. And it keeps challenging you. And the Word of God is wrestling with you. But you don't want to do it. I thank God God don't give up on us. And when you want to get away from those people that have more truth, you know, or you want to stay in the status quo, hallelujah, or you're comfortable in your little job and God's calling you to do something more than that, you will go through a process I go through that process where the will of God and the Word of God is wrestling with me. And I'll come up with all kinds of theories and excuses that, 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 that can't be God. And you know, hallelujah. And I'm going to uh, fleece God like uh, Gideon did. And I'm going to put this little you know, sheep wool out here rain on the top of one side and then I turn it over and all these things you know you know the story I'm going to fleece God I'm going to, we go through all of that and I said get rid of the fleece you know I spoke to you but God I'm comfortable right here I spoke to you I've called you so that the will of God and the word of God wrestles with us have you ever gone through that before? Where you've been challenged. God's calling you to do something. I'm not going to do it. I'm telling you, I'm not going to do it. 
and you got your bags packed in the U-Haul and you're on your way. But I thought you put your foot down and said you would not do it. The Word of God wrestled with you and the will of God wrestled with you until you said, okay. Amen. I remember when God called us to pastor our first church. We had a brand new home. It was completely paid for. Brand new home, completely paid for. I wasn't leaving a shack. Brand new home, completely paid for. Told us to leave that brand new home and go and pastor in Crane, Texas. Well, we could come up with a half dozen reasons why that's not the right thing to do. But the Lord told us to do it and we packed our all of our stuff up and we moved out of that house that was paid for and we moved to Crane, Texas and we started pastoring that little church. You think that was easy for me? You think that was easy for my wife? It wasn't easy. It was hard. But with that came a sense of joy. With that, God, really? I get to do this for you. This is awesome. This is fun. Wow, God, something that big. That's great. Love it. Willing to do it. Do you understand? God will come and challenge you. Will you are you willing? Are you willing? How many of y'all are willing out there? So you get comfortable. Well, about just about the moment you get comfortable in what you're doing, that's when God challenges you with something bigger. And then the Word of God begins to wrestle with you and the will of God wrestles. And you want to, you, I'm just telling you, you want to get in a car and drive as far away the other direction as you possibly can because you think the further you get away from this, the you'll be all right. And there's an angel sitting in your back seat. Where are you going? You're wasting fuel. You know what I'm saying, don't you? I'm wasting fuel. Yeah, I know. I've been there. God's told me many times, you're wasting your time right now and you're wasting fuel. You are, Because this is not my will. Because my will's already been picked out. It's already been selected for you and you know it. You know what my will is. And I will say to you, if you're a born again believer, you made that first step of separation. Become a believer in Christ to get a revelation of the mighty God in Christ and to be baptized and filled with the Spirit. You've taken that, that step, amen. Now you're on your way. But there's many more challenges that are going to come to you and to me as we walk with God. And we have to do it by faith. And the moment you get comfortable where you are, God has a way to stir up the nest and to make it uncomfortable. For Abraham, it was the death of his daddy. Terah died, and Abraham left Haran. God took all the feathers and all of the all of the nice rabbit fur out of the nest, and underneath that are thorns in the eagle's nest, and that comfort is gone. It's time for you to fly, Abraham. God knows what He's doing. Yeah. He starts removing the feathers out of the nest. He starts removing 
the rabbit fur out of the nest. He starts removing the comfort. Hallelujah. And it gets difficult and it gets painful. You're sitting on thorns. God is saying, get out of the nest and fly. So you do. You climb over to the side of the nest and you jump and you're doing this and you're about to splatter on the ground. And here comes God. Bears you up on eagle's wings. Takes you back up there. Go again. Pretty soon, you just get out of that comfort zone. You finally, amen. Hey, the wings are starting to work. Wow. But you wouldn't be willing to get out of that nest and fly if you're if the comfort was still there. Do you understand? And for Abraham, it was his daddy. His daddy was his comfort zone. I'm taking my comfort zone with me. And when daddy dies, Abraham has to fly. Do you understand this today? But I want daddy with me. As long as daddy's there, you're delayed. Does that make sense to you? How many of y'all been challenged in your life? You've been challenged. Yeah, you, you willing, you're willing to become a born-again believer according to the Word of God, not according to religious tradition. You now have a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Amen. Thank God for that. There's a price that came with that and your family members are screaming at you. You don't have to do it. Well, you did it. Now you're in the church and God's got a call on your life. But you're comfortable. What does God have to remove from your life to get you to do His will? Or does your life have to come that close to ending? It didn't have to be that way if you would have just said yes to the Lord of glory. So you can come up with all the excuses you want to. You can talk about, well, I think this is the way we're supposed to handle family and this and that and other. If it's not according to the Word of God, you will be hindered. You will be delayed. It will create problems for you. But if you step out and you obey God's Word, there will be promises that will come to that precept. And there are seven of them that are recorded in the 12th chapter of Genesis. The Bible said, the requirement is given. Verse 2, He said, I'll make thee a great nation. Well, his wife is barren. She can't have children. We've already read that in the 11th chapter. She's barren. But God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to bless thee. I'm going to make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Seven promises. If you'll obey precept you'll obey the word see obedience to the word your blessing is connected to your obedience to the word Abraham so well I think God will bless me anyway no it's connected to obeying the word of the Lord amen and and I'm not going to go through all of these statements and explain them to, to you we've already done that before But one thing I want to point out. Remember over in the 10th, 11th chapter, the 11th chapter of Genesis, people trying to make their name great. Nimrod trying to make his name great. 
God said to Abram, if, if you'll do this, I'll make your name great. Do you know that it's not just the Christians that respect the name of Abraham, but the Islamic, the Muhammad Muslims today respect Abraham? I don't know anybody, anybody that you could walk up to and say, have you ever heard of a man by the name of Abraham? I don't know anybody that would say, I've never heard of that man. God made his name great. But if you walk up to somebody and say, hey, have you ever heard of Nimrod? Yeah, that's the name of my German shepherd. That's the name of my pit bull. I'm not talking about your pit bull. Who are you talking about? Nimrod, the one in the Bible, and the, the, the idol worshiper, the, the top of the Antichrist that tried to build that tower. No, never heard of him. He tried to make his name great. No, God said, I'll make your name great. You don't go around trying to make yourself great and make a name for yourself. You obey God. You do what God tells you to do, and God will make your name great. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not looking for a bigger and better church to pastor. I'm not. I'm not looking for uh, to go, you know, somewhere to make my name great. I, hallelujah. You just walk with God. You trust God. You do it His way and He'll make your name great. Amen. Let God do it. You don't hear about Nimrod, but you hear about Abraham. You know, you know him. And he talks about all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And if you curse, it says, Amen. Verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. You curse Abraham and his descendants, you'll receive a curse. Very quickly, just until you'll... If you look at the, the empire of Rome, you look at the empire of Egypt, you look at the empire of Greece... All nations that persecuted the Jews, if they were power, powerful nations in the earth, what they did with the Jews determined whether or not they would continue as a great nation or become a secondary, a secondary nation. Rome was a power. Greece was a power. Egypt was a power. Do you understand? Babylon was a superpower. But because of their treatment toward the Jews, they became a second-rate nation. You understand that? This is only a couple of things that God said. But ultimately, He makes a promise about the seed of Abraham. In His seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And Galatians says that seed is singular, Jesus Christ. That from that man, the first Jew, the first Hebrew, Become the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world. If you'll do this, Abram, this is what I'll do. Verse 4, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, his nephew. Uh-oh, we still got a family member tagging along. Lot, his nephew, amen, is still with Abraham. And as we look in the 13th chapter, we're going to try to do our best to finish it this morning. You're going to see that Abraham took Lot with him and he got in lots of trouble. If you carry Lot with you, you're going to have lots of trouble. 
The first time I seen uh, Heath back there smile. <laughs> he can relate, I guess. I don't know. We still got Lottie's nephews with him. They depart out of Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lottie's brother's son, and their substance that they had gathered, their souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. In the land of Canaan they came. While they were in Haran, man, he increased. He's got substance. There's an increase. Listen to this. He increased materially while he was in Haran. Sometimes when you get out of the will of God and you, you go after the pursuits of this world out of the will of God, sometimes, church, it will bring some material growth in your life. This man experienced some material growth in his life while he was in Haran. You're going to see later it got him in trouble, though. It caused some division. See, not only was Abraham very wealthy, a lot of it he got in Haran, but Lot also, and there was a division between the family over substance, over material things. The Bible said they went forth to guard the land of Canaan, and the land of Canaan they came. In verse 6, now they're finally in the land of Canaan where God called them. In verse 6, and Abram passed through the land into the place of, uh, of Sychem, which is Shechem, which means shoulder, means strength. Are you all with me here? He's gone through a difficult time. His daddy has died. His comfort zone has been removed out of his life. Now he's journeying. He's got his nephew with him. He's got his family with him. And he makes his way into the promised land. And when he walks into the promised land, he's now in the will of God. So the first place he goes to is Shechem, which means strength. You're going to notice. You go through difficult times when God removes the comfort things, comfortable things out of your life. But as long as you're walking in the will of the Lord, guess what happens? Strength's coming to you. That's what Shechem means. He's going to give you the strength that you need as you progressively move into His will. Hallelujah. It means shoulder. It means strength. What you have to realize though is Shechem, in Shechem, you're in Canaan territory now, and this is where they worship the sun god. In Ur of Chaldees, they worship the moon god. Here they worship the sun god. In Shechem, there is a huge society of sun god worshipers. Baal is in the land of Canaan. But he's in the will of God. He walks right into Shechem. He gets strength. And the Bible tells us further, he moved from the place of Shechem unto the plain of Moray. You know what Moray means? Moray means instruction. See, as he's progressively moving in the will of God. Y'all with me? I hope you're getting the progression here. Progressively, as he's moving to the will of God, he gets strength, Shechem. And then from there, he knew these places are significant. They're not just geographical locations. They're talking to you about spiritual experiences. He receives strength as he moves into the will of God. How many of y'all need that? You're going to need strength for this next year. I'm going to need strength this next year, but every time I walk further into the will of God, guess what? Shechem's there. Strength is going to be there. Look at your neighbor and tell, tell them that the God's going to give you strength this next year. As you move into His will. Shatar, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo! So I don't know if I can make it anymore. I, I, come on, church. Are y'all going to get real with me this morning? 
I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can go on any longer. I am tired. I... God says, you keep going and you, the deeper you go into my will, you're going to get your shaken, shaken. You're going to get your strength. My shoulder is going to be there for you. And then from there is more. That means instruction. You're going to get more revelation of God. This is a good year to be living. Hallelujah. My wife told me the other day, you know, she said, Jerry, I think it's going to be a really tough year. Well, that, in some cases, I believe that. There's, I mean, a lot of things going on in the world. A lot of t- tough situations going on in the world. But as we, as a church, move further and further into the will of God, and we stop resisting the will of God, and we stop fighting what He told us to do, and we lay down our resistance to God, and say, yes, Lord, I'm going with you. I'm making up my mind. I'm not going to let anything hinder me anymore. I'm not going to let anything get in the way anymore. I'm going to walk in this new revelation. I'm going to walk in this new purpose of God. I'm going to walk in this new truth that I'm getting. And yes, it's going to be difficult in the world. But God is saying to the church, as you proceed further into His will, the strength that you need is going to be there. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And the instruction that you need is going to be there. God's not going to leave, leave you without a witness. He's not going to leave you without instruction. But you're going to have to trust Him. You have to go forward in faith like Abraham. Hallelujah. That's a good word for me. I need to hear that this morning. That's what's coming to the church. The world is going to be crazy. That's right. It's going to get crazy. It's going to get really hard in the world. But the church is going to get all the strength that we need. And we're going to get the instruction. Right, give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you believe that. And you got to, you got to receive that by faith. You, you can't just hear it, hear me say it. You know, you have to apply it. You have to believe it. You have to say, yes, God. I'm going to walk in the shoulder. I'm going to walk in the strength. Hallelujah. This is the year of the shoulder for the church. But you're going to have to stop resisting God's will. You're going to have to be willing to separate yourself. And if you're not in His will today, get back in His will. Because as long as you keep fighting God, and you keep resisting God's will and His word in your life, you're going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. But if you will obey God and you will go forward, God is going to give you the strength that you need. If you do not believe what I am preaching, you will wear out this coming year. And the reason why you will wear out is because not because you're doing the work of God or the will of God. The reason you're going to wear out is because you're fighting against God. And if you fight against the will of God, it'll wear you out. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. See, a lot of times, really, the reason why we get so tired is not necessarily because we're so busy doing the work of the Lord. It is because we are resisting His will. And if we'll just surrender to God, God says, strength for you. How many of y'all received that word today? But it's connected. It's connected to our willingness to do His will. Hallelujah. 
Come on, church. Now, I love you and you're a wonderful people, but I'm going to tell you, some of you have been resisting God. You've been fighting the will of God for a long time. And you don't like what's being said from the pulpit at times from the Word of the Lord. But if you will stop fighting and stop resisting and say, I'm going all the way with God in this new truth, in this new revelation, in this new call, in this new purpose, God will give you the strength you need. He'll tell you. He'll give you the instruction and more If I get wore out in this next year, it's because I'm resisting the Lord. That's what it is. I hear the Holy Ghost speaking. To me. When the Bible says, and the Canaanite was in, was in, was in the land. The Canaanite dwelt in the land. But Abraham's got the strength that he needs. He's got the instruction that he needs. And he walks into a land, the Canaanite, where they don't worship the one true God of the Bible. They worship the sun God. And what does Abraham do? When he gets in the land of Canaan, he builds an altar. He builds an altar. See, he had a tent and he had an altar. A tent... He's a soldier. He's a pilgrim. He's just passing through. Amen? The tent speaks of willing to move. This man moved and went further than any other person in the Bible that I know of. Y'all here? He traveled 800 miles to go from Ur of Chaldees to get to the land of Canaan. When he was in Haran, that's about the 500 mile mark. He went two-thirds of the way and stopped out of the will of God. He finally made it 800 miles later after the death of his daddy loaded with promises and loaded with reward and loaded with strength and loaded with instruction from the Lord as He progressively moved in the will of God. How many of y'all going to stop fighting God? Amen. How many are going to answer the call of God in your life? Hey, a prophet can, can resist the Word of God. Hallelujah. Uh, Jeremiah said, I'm not going to preach anymore. But his word was like a fire shut up in my bones and I grew weary in holding back. Y'all here? When you worship God the Bible way, it's not according to the ways of the world. And the Bible says in verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abram. So you got the presence of God now. Not only do you have strength and instruction, but the presence of the Lord is connected to that promise. The God of glory appeared to Abraham when he moves into that land called the promised land. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed, Will I give this land? And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. The Bible says there was a Canaanite in the land. Previous verse. So here Abraham is. He's exercising effort to worship. He's exercising the, uh, some effort to be in fellowship with God. The altar speaks of fellowship and worship. Oh, Abraham. When you see Abraham, he's always building altars. Pitch a tent build an altar. Pitch the tent, build an altar. Pitch a tent, build an altar. He's always on the move. Are y'all here? And he's always worshiping. He always desires to be in fellowship, Brother Jonathan, with God and with the people of God. That's the kind of man Abraham was. Do you enjoy the presence of God? Do you enjoy church? 
Oh, I know you do. And we had Wizzy, and, and I don't fault you if you didn't, if you decided not to come, because it was pretty dangerous. But the majority of you made it Wednesday. And like I said, I knew I, it didn't surprise me. I expected it. That's just the way you are. That, that doesn't put down anybody else. I'm mean, I know it was bad. All right, you with me? But I'm just saying that this man had a priority in his life, and that was spiritual things. He desired God. He desired to be around the people of God. Pitched a tent, built an altar. Pitched a tent, built an altar. Pitched a tent, built an altar. The things of God meant something to this man. And where was he building it? Richard, where was he building it? He built it in the land of the Canaanites, sun god worshippers. He doesn't do it in secret. See, the, the moment somebody tells me I want to do this in secret, unless God, God speaks to do something secret. That's one thing. But if God doesn't speak to the person to do it in secret, as soon as they tell me I want to do it in secret, I know it's not going to stick. Because God doesn't accept secret discipleship. And we may, we may go ahead and, and allow it, but just give it time and you'll see if it's for real or not. God does not accept secret disciples. He wants a public confession. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So when, when Abraham built the altar, he built it, and all those Canaanites, all those people in the world, they're watching him. What's this strange man doing? They saw him build this altar. They saw him in his worship. Are y'all here? Y'all getting this word today? It was a public demonstration of praise and worship unto a God the Canaanites did not know. You want to be a secret disciple? You don't want anybody to see you worship, anybody see you in fellowship with God or praise. It'll never work. The Canaanite is going to catch you worshiping God sometime, somewhere. I told you about this young man. We taught a Bible study two years and years ago. He got baptized in his name, got filled with the Holy Ghost. And this young man, he'd go to work at a hamburger joint. I think it was Burger King or McDonald's, one of them. He'd go, and this young man, he'd go in the, the, you know, the refrigerator. He's just so full of God and so excited about God. He'd go in that refrigerator and he'd get in there and he'd start dancing before the Lord and he'd be jumping before God, praising the Lord in that, in that freezer, in that refrigerator. And one day, somebody that worked with him walked up, opened the door and saw him in there dancing. Shut the door. Walk. <laughs> when you really got God, you can't, you can't hide it. I said, if you really got God, you're not going to hide it. You, you might want to try to be a secret disciple, but somebody's going to catch you dancing back there somewhere. Speaking in tongues. What was all that? What was that? I was speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. They'll catch you. The Canaanite will catch you dancing. The Canaanite will catch you worshiping. Hallelujah. The unbeliever is going to see you speaking in tongues if you've got the Holy Ghost sometime. They're going to see it because it must be public. God wants the world to see what you got. 
If you go to your job and you're one thing at work and another thing in church, hallelujah, one thing in your house and another thing in church, then you are not like Abraham. Abraham worshiped God. It was a public worship before the eyes of the Canaanites. They knew he was the worshiper of the God of glory because it was a public expression of his faith. If you go to work and you're completely different at work than from what you are at church, you're a hypocrite. That's what you are. The people in the world need to know what you believe. Brother Thomas told me not long ago, he said, we're having prayer meetings before we start work. He's a man, he's a, a foreman. And some people that he worked with, they, you know, they found out what he's about. They found out what he believes. They got together. They had a desire to have a prayer meeting before work. And that old rugged oil field. If the people that he that he's over didn't know what he was about, they would have never. No. He didn't. Ma- he didn't make it mandatory. But that's when I heard that. That's awesome to me. That's what we're supposed to be as a church. It's not just about Sunday morning worship. It's about what you do in that workplace. Hallelujah! How are you influencing people in that workplace? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. The Canaanite was in the land in those days. I want to tell you something. I believe God's more pleased with that than a lot of things that go on in this place. Because there's no hypocrisy. Nobody worried about their reputation. They are who they are. But I want God. See, we can't be one thing in church and one thing in the world. Hallelujah. It needs to be a public display that we worship the one true God of the Bible and He means something to us. He's important to us. We value spiritual things. We want to be in His presence. We want to be with the people of God. We want the world to know what we have. That's the kind of walk that Abraham had. Does anybody know you're an apostolic? Anybody know it? Have you told anybody? Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, but I used to be a Lutheran. You used to be. Now you're one of those. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm glad the will of God and the Word of God kept wrestling with Abraham, aren't you? I'm glad it kept wrestling with me. He's got the presence of the Lord. The Lord's appearing to him. He's building altars. He's worshiping God. The people in the land, the Canaanites, are seeing him. In a public display of praise. No secret disciples here. Look at your name and say, No secret disciples here. No secret disciples here. Did your kids even know you're serving? How do they see you at home? Do your kids even know you love them? How do they see you at home? There was a Canaanite in the land of that day. He saw Abraham build that altar. He removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. Bethel means house of God or God's house. 
and pitched his tent. Say pitched his tent. Having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. There he is again. Pitched his tent, built an altar. And called upon the name of the Lord. What's the name of the Lord? Jesus. Repent and be baptized, everyone, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of sin, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He called upon the name of the Lord. It's Jesus for us. Always doing that. God's important. Verse 9, Abraham journey going still toward the south. The south direction of the south and the Word of God is the world. Oh, that's not good. Verse 10. Are you with me? Uh-oh. A lot of awesome things have happened to Abraham at this point. A lot of promises with the precepts. So strength, the shoulder, and instruction from God and the presence of the Lord and building altars, the places he was at, pitched a tent, moved to Bethel, the house of God, builds another altar. A lot of awesome things happened to Abraham. But all of a sudden, in the midst of being in the will of God, famine hits the land. Another test for Abraham. How many know what we're talking about? You go, have, you go progressively. The great experiences with God. That's when you have to be careful. Is when you and I have, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I'm gonna try to do something with this finger that's always doing that. <laughs> I was studying, I was looking at doing some research on South Africa, Zambia, you know, and they don't like you to do that. Amen. Like that, maybe. <laughs> All of them. But, but that's what happens. See, we have to be real careful because when we start having these very tremendous spiritual experiences with the Lord Jesus, visions and revelations and strengths from God, we have to be careful at that time because then the test and the troubles come and we don't understand it. This man is in the will of God. And then all of a sudden, while he's in the will of God, a famine hits the land. Trouble comes. How many of you know you've experienced that in your walk with God? Very, very strong walks with God. Doing real good in the Lord. And then all of a sudden, trouble comes. And when it does, it just blows you right out of the church. Because you didn't expect that. You didn't know that if you were in the will of God, trouble could still come because you always thought that as long as you're in the will of God it's always going to be peachy cream but all of a sudden in the will of God the trouble comes if you ever have problems if you ever start moving into a lapse of faith when trouble comes and you know you're in the will of God and you're questioning is this really God's will and I'm having this trouble remember Jesus hung on a cross when you start having your trouble sometimes, remember your Savior was nailed to a tree. If in your mind it doesn't, Christianity and being in the will of God doesn't equal sometimes having trouble, remember your Savior hung on a cross. They crucified Him in the will of God. That's where the test comes. Oftentimes, you've done so well, you've done God's will, and so on and so forth. Progressively, we've seen what happens. But then all of a sudden, trouble comes. 
famine comes in the will of God. What are you going to do with it? Well, if you're a new convert, what new converts normally do is they go back to idolatry or the land of idols because they can't handle the test. See, it doesn't surprise me when a new convert comes into the church that they, they it doesn't surprise me when they start having lapses. Because that old idol, that old way of living is trying to get you back. And when you start having trouble, Chris, and you know we've, we've talked to you and you've talked to me in times of difficulty, when you start having those times of trouble, that's when the old life starts talking to you and say, come on back. It was easier when you did it this way. And so what does Abram do in a time of famine and time of trouble? He backslides. He has a lapse of faith. He goes to Egypt, which was the land of idols. That's what happens with a new convert. They'll do real good and all of a sudden they'll go back. They'll do real good and they'll go back. Have lapses of faith. If you've been in the church for a while, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be mature enough to know when you have trouble and difficulties in your life, you're not going back, you're not going to Egypt, you're not going to the land of idols if you've been in the church for a while. But new converts move in between the land of promise back to the land of idols. That's what they do. That's what babies do. Okay? Well, what do you have to do? You have to remember the God of glory. You have to remember the God of glory. What's that saying? Remember His kingdom. Keep your eyes on His kingdom. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Because if you don't keep your eyes on the kingdom, the Lord of glory, if you don't set your face like a flint to go to Jerusalem, you'll end up in Egypt. Because trouble's going to come. It's going to come to you when you're in the will of God. And when it does, you have to set your face to go to Jerusalem. You have to set your face on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has to be what your focus is. Because Egypt, the land of idols, will call you back. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You have to remember the important things. Just real quickly, I'm going to give you some information. Are you all here with me? To the Jews, Zechariah 14.9 is the most important verse. The Bible says in that day there will be one Lord and His name one. One Lord and His name one. Most important verse to the Jews. Zechariah 14.9 and 10. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, the most important passage to the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Genesis 22, the most important chapter to the Jews. Galatians 4, 26, Jerusalem is the mother of us all. We're born, hallelujah, into God's Jerusalem, the new birth. Hebrews eleven ten, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God's. And when you start feeling that tug and that pull to go back to the idols that you were delivered from, you have to keep your eyes on the important things. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. What city was he looking for? Some say he was looking for that new Jerusalem that we are going to. I believe that's partly true. But I want to tell you the true city he was looking for was the church. He wasn't looking for an earthly promised land. God gave him to that. That was only a type. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And that city and that building is the church of Jesus Christ. There's going to come a time when that pull's going to come on you. Hallelujah. Difficult times, troublesome times. You're going to want to go back. But you have to keep before you the important things. That city, that heavenly city. The church has to be important to you. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. It's either Babylon or Jerusalem. Now, there is nobody in this church that has arrived yet. Nobody. Everybody goes through these difficulties in your life. You say, huh, I didn't know this was going to be part of it. I mean, when we first started the church, Brother Dice, my mentor, who's gone out to be with the Lord, he told me, he said, Brother Carter, your trouble, your troubles are only just beginning. They're only just beginning. He was honest with me. My mentor was honest with me. He didn't say, it's going to be wonderful, Brother Carter. The church is going to explode. Everybody's going to be happy. It's going to be wonderful, Brother Carter. Good job. Go for it. Build a church. Plant a church. He said, your trouble is just now beginning. I said, I know, Brother Dice, Bishop Dice, I know. But i got to do what God called me to do. i got to do what God called me to do. I'll give the Lord a hand clap of praise. If you're trying to avoid trouble, if you're trying to di avoid difficult situations in your life, you're not going to be able to avoid it. Everybody goes through it. I thank God for true men of God. They'll look at you. You're fixing to enter into things and cause of God in your life. They'll look at you and say, your trouble is just now starting. That's being honest. Because you don't want people to get out there and get in the work, doing the work of God, and then all of a sudden get discouraged and get depressed and quit and go home. No, be honest with them. Tell them how hard it is. Tell them it's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Hardest thing you'll ever do. Amen. So when that famine came, what did he do? He had a lapse of faith. He went down into Egypt. See, in the will, if you get out of the will of God, it's always down. He went down to Egypt. Egypt is the top of the world. He went down to Egypt. He went to Egypt for help. And when he went there, he said to Sarai, his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say this is his wife and they shall kill me but they will save thee alive. I love it. Say I pray thee thou art my sister that it may be well with me for thy sake and my soul shall live because of thee. I mean, Are y'all here with me? She must have been a beautiful woman. 
He was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So, you know, she must have been around that age. She's a little younger than he is. She's probably about 65. But he looks at his wife. She's so beautiful. He says, now when we get over there, they're going to kill me and take you. So you tell them that you're my sister. You see? Lapse of faith. What's happening? There's a lapse of faith. So there's a, there's a, he's lying. Well, the Bible says, are y'all getting bored? You want me to quit now? Bible says in Genesis 20 verse 12 and, and yet indeed she is my sister she's the daughter of my father but not the daughter of my mother and she became my wife he's, he's telling a half truth you tell him that you're my sister well she was half amen see when you start going the other direction you start manipulating you start telling half truths He's having a lapse of faith. He's going down. Amen. What's going to happen if he gets caught kissing her? You know his son fell in the same trap? Abraham, Isaac, fell in the same trap? Told the same lie that his daddy told? Looked kind of strange when Isaac was kissing on his sister. Same trap. Son followed the footsteps of the daddy. Hallelujah. Man, I pray for a crop failure when it comes to my kids. <laughs> Amen. The good news is I can say, you know, I can pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I was in the church before any of them were born. They don't know my past history. And if they find out anything about my past, the Lord, don't let it sprout up in them. Amen. So he told a half-truth. Verse 14, It came to pass that when Abraham was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. He entreated Abram well for her sake. That means he gave, he gave Abram some money. He gave Abraham some riches. Hallelujah. Oh, Abraham, man, he's doing good. He's throwing gold and silver up. His wife's over in Pharaoh's court as a concubine. Wow, look at this. This is good. Riches. More riches. Mm -hmm. So you can't always you cannot always judge where you are in the will of God just based on money. The man got money in Haran out of the will of God. He got money, are y'all with me, in Egypt for lying. You with me here? Verse 16, he entreated Abraham well for her sake. He had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. He loaded him down. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh. 
and his house with great plagues because of Sarah Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. He, Pharaoh, kicked Abraham and Sarah right out of Egypt. He kicked them out. They walked out with more substance, more money, but in shame. Even the world doesn't want a, a church member who, who does these kinds of things. The world doesn't want even a church member like that. The world doesn't want a church member when they're backslidden. They just don't fit. They'll get kicked out of one place after another. Doors close one right after another. It's God doing it. Don't you step in. Don't you step in and try to change it. You let God shut those doors. You let the shame come. You went to Egypt. You shouldn't have been there to begin with. Now, you got, yeah, you experienced a little bit of money at that time, but look now, the doors are closing on you. Pharaoh's kicking you out. Pharaoh don't want you. Because when you're around, bad things are happening. <laughs> bad things are happening. They walked out of there full of shame. Getting tired. Verse 20. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had said. God delivered him. God intervened. God stepped in. Right? He did. He stepped in. God's the one who sent the plague on Pharaoh. God stepped in. Are you glad when God steps in? Are you okay, brother? Okay. Man, thank God for the brothers. I don't know the sort of dad. Damocles is hanging over my head. Wow, I think I'll stand over here. You talk about standing under the spout where the glory comes out. Praise the Lord. Thank you, brothers. Now, I was preaching out of a flow and they stopped the flow for a drip. It's not right. But that's the goodness of God. See, how many times does God step in? You had a lapse of faith. God stepped in. He rescued you. You need to thank God He rescued you because you didn't deserve to be rescued. I mean, there's nothing but plagues and disease and all kinds of stuff because you're out of the will of God. You got a prophet living in your house and you took his wife. God rescued him. Didn't deserve to be rescued. He's the one that had the lapse of faith and went down. But I want to tell you something that you need to realize is that as long as Abraham was in Egypt, there was a nephew named Lot that was with him. And God rescued Abraham and Sarah. But Lot saw Egypt. Lot witnessed what was in Egypt. And he started wondering. 
you and I might get rescued. But that child or that young one that's with you sees the world. He starts wanting it. You might get rescued. But what about Lot? What about the young man? You see, that's why it's so important for us to be careful about where we as parents put our children. It's all right. It's all right. I survived it. You're, you're not the same as your child. So you put them in places and you take them and put them in certain locations and you might be rescued from it and God might help you, but you lost them. Better be careful. Lot saw Egypt. It got in him. He walked out. He already had spirit. He already had a problem with spiritual things. He already he didn't. He wasn't a spiritual man. You don't find one place where Lot ever built an altar. Abraham, his uncle's the one that's building the altar, but Lot never built an altar. You never read of it. So God might come and rescue you because you got an altar. You got a prayer life. But what about that young'un? They don't have altars. Because they're not building altars. They don't care nothing about prayer and worship in the house of God. And so Abraham went there. He was rescued, but he lost his nephew in the process. And so now God's going to deal with this further separation. And I appreciate you staying with me because I'm sort of long-winded here this morning. Further separation has to take place. Lot's with him. Lot literally means to cover. Abraham couldn't see because Lot was with him. And the Bible says once this separation takes place, that Lot, are you with me, separates from Abraham, then the Bible says Abraham lifted up his eyes. He could now see. There are things that are covering your eyes. They're called Lot's. The Bible says, and I'm going to be very quick, and Abraham went up out of Egypt and his wife and all that he had lot with him in, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. He went on his journey from the south even to Bethel. He returned back. Remember, he had built that altar in Bethel. The Bible tells us. Amen. In verse 8 of chapter 12. There was an altar he built unto God. He went back to that. He went back to revival. He left the backslidden, the lapse of faith. He returned to revival. He returned to worship. He returned to the house of God. That's what Bethel means. He went back. Are you glad you're in the church this morning? Where, where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Returned to the place he left. Verse 4. Under the place of the altar. Isn't that awesome? He returned to the place he left and he returned to the altar. Not just the place, but the altar. You can come back to this building, but if you don't return back to an altar, it's not going to last. Is anybody hearing anything this morning? He didn't just go back to the place, he went back to the altar. You got to go back to the altar. When you come back, when you return, make sure you got an altar. Are y'all here with me? Hallelujah. Under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called, there he is, on the name of the Lord. 
And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, but he didn't have an altar. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. You see, sometimes when you've got abundance in material things, remember, we already saw it. He got it. He had some when he came out of Haran. He came out with uh, out of Egypt. Pharaoh had blessed him with material things. Now listen to me carefully. If it comes from God, it's a good thing. But here in the passage, what I see. The outcome of this riches is strife. Problems in the family. Strife. Lot's got abundance. Abraham's got abundance. But we got strife. And there's strife between the herdsmen of Lot and there's strife between the herdsmen of Abraham. Abram. And notice this is interesting. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt then in the land. Why would God put that there? When he, when he talks about this superabundance that Abraham and Lot have, but this fussing and fighting that's going on in the house. Then God says, hey, by the way, the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt in the land. You know why he did that? He's letting you know that when you're in strife and fussing and fighting in your family, the world is watching it. And when the world watches all that, you're like, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm an apostolic, I'm Jesus' name, one God filled with the Holy Ghost, but I have nothing but fussing and fighting and bickering in my house every day. And the world looks at you and says, you're losing your testimony. The world's watching you. You've lost your testimony. You think they're going to want to listen to you talk about Jesus and how wonderful Jesus is and every day of your life is nothing but fussing and fighting. You've got plenty of money in the bank. But you don't have peace in your home. The Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelt in the land. They're looking at your life. They're watching you. They're watching me. And there's nothing but strife in my home. I'm losing my testimony. When you lose your testimony, it also gives an advantage to the enemy to attack you. You see? Because if the herdsmen are fighting with each other, they're not taking care of the sheep. And when the sheep aren't being taken care of, when the herdsmen are fighting, then that's right, the wolves come. So you lose your testimony and you open yourself up to an attack from the enemy. See, God puts these very important words together for a reason. So we get it. You're a child of the king, yes. You believe in Jesus, yes. But what about your home? What about my home? My home. See, what goes on in my house affects what I do in the work of God. That's yours as well. You know that. 
There's nothing but strife in the home. It create, I lose my testimony. If there's strife in the home, it opens the door for the enemy to attack. Not just my house, but you. Amen? Lot has no desire for spiritual things. He doesn't build altars, but Abraham has a desire. You know where his, his desire is? No strife. That's what he's about. Lot's not about peace. He's about strife, strife, strife. It's Abraham who takes the initiative and says, we need to have peace here. So Lot, I'll give you, I'll, I'll let you make the choice. You pick what land, what you want, what territory you want. I'll let you have it. Even though I'm the elder, even though I'm the one that should be honored, even though I'm the one that should be respected, I'll let you, nephew, choose the land that you want. If we can get rid of the strife, And the Bible says, Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw those well-watered plains. Verse 8, Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Amen. Troubles. You see, let me just say this to you, okay? There's just so much in the passage, but I want to say this to you. There are some pastors that can't wait for this church to have trouble. They can't wait for it. You know why? Because once we start having trouble here and people get discontented, their church is going to grow. Because they're going to leave this one and go to theirs. I have yet to ever, ever, not one time, in the 20 years of pastoring this church, have I ever had another? I'm talking about church that preaches the truth. I'm not talking about the denominational world. I've never had one of those pastors ever call me and say, I have somebody from your church that came over. Not one time. Not one time. Because in some cases, they enjoy strife. Because strife creates church growth for them. Trouble in one church will cause them to have a number increase. So they enjoy that. Oh, they would tell you, no, no, that's not what we're about. Yes, you are. That's what you're about. But Abraham's a spiritual man. He's an honorable man. He's a respectable man. He's a man of respect. And he looks at the lesser and says, for the sake of peace, I'll let you choose. I'll let you decide. Are you with me? Verse 9, Is not the whole land before thee separate thyself? I pray thee for me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and behold, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the gardens of the Lord, like the land of what? Egypt. See what I told you? When he was in Egypt, he saw Egypt. He wanted Egypt. And so when he starts getting an opportunity to make the decision about what land he wants, I want what Egypt looks like. It was in his heart. You pay a price. You pay a price. 
Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. See? He doesn't have a desire for the things of God. He doesn't have an altar. He doesn't have a desire for worship. He doesn't have a desire for prayer. He doesn't have a desire to be around the people of God like Abraham, the people of faith. He pitches his tent towards Sodom, a city full of sin. Not so he can go start a church. Because he's moving by sight. He's going by what he sees. Abraham walks by faith. He pitches his tent towards Sodom. And eventually, that's what happens to people when they start moving away from God. They pitch their tent towards Sodom, Sin City. And then pretty soon they end up in Sin City. That's what happened to Lot. He's a picture, he's the father of the fallen. Abraham is the father of the faithful. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Well, what did Abraham get out of it? Maybe from Lot's perspective, he got the best. Right? Maybe from his perspective, he got the best. But really, when he reached up there and picked that apple, and he thought, man, that's a beautiful apple. He didn't know it's full of worms. See, sometimes when you look at that apple, you're like, man, that's really nice. That's what I want. You pick it and you start eating it. You're full of worms. It doesn't give you what it looked like, what it promised. How many of you got an apple? You picked it off the tree. You knew it wasn't in the will of God, but you picked it because it really looked good to you. And you started eating it. It's nothing but full of worms. Oof. You know what's worse than, a, than an apple that had a worm in it? An apple that has half a worm. This apple didn't just have one worm. It didn't even just have a half a worm. It loaded with worms. But see, Lot thought he got the best. No, Abraham got the best. He had to trust God. He had to trust God. Lot went by sight. Abraham by faith. Lot said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, because the Lot, the covering is off your eyes. Now you can see clearly. And look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed be also numbered. Arise, walk through the land and the length of, the, of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And what did he do? Then Abram removed his tent, came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, that is fellowship, and built there an altar unto the Lord. And Lot gradually moves further and further away from God. No altars in his life. No desire for God, the presence of God. No desire to be around the people of God. Pitches his tent in Sodom. 
And we'll see in the 14th chapter that he becomes a prisoner of war. Lot becomes a prisoner of war. Let's be a people that are like Abraham. Let's understand from the very beginning of his life to all that we've covered, the important points of walking with God. Pitch your tent, build an altar. Desire the things of the Lord. And when you do, the, the promises will come with the precepts and the strength we need and the instruction we need and the presence of the Lord that we need. Understand that when famine comes, that doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. It's a test. Keep what is important in front of you. Understand that even though you may be accumulating great wealth or I may be accumulating great wealth, that does not mean that it's the will of God. Because strife can come as a result of that. Don't be lock lot. A person who wants the physical and material things, the blessings, but don't want the sacrifice. Be a spiritual person. Be a churchgoer. Be a worshiper. And when you build your altar, understand this. That it's not always just about money. And giving to the Lord is not always just about the tithe. Giving to the Lord in the Bible is what you sacrificed. Sometimes more than the tithe. When Abraham built the altar, he had to go and get some of those sheep out of his stock. And he had to offer those animals on that altar. It cost him material things. It cost him the sacrifice. When you, when you sacrifice, that's given to the Lord. And we bring our tithes to the Lord, and we all do. But really what the sacrifice is is the offering you bring above the tithe. Because that goes beyond what's required. And it moves into the area of true giving. True giving is what? You sacrifice. And that's the kind of man Abraham was. He was a giver. He's the father of the faithful. Lot He's just a taker. No sacrifice in his life. No altars in his life. He ends up in Sodom. And when Sodom is defeated by Chedorlaomer and his coalition, Lot is captured. He becomes a prisoner of war. I don't want to become a prisoner of war in this fight, but... Jonathan I don't want to be a prisoner of war I don't want the enemy to capture me I've experienced too much of the presence of God too much of the blessings of God too much of the men of God in my life great men that have invested into my life like Abraham for me, for me to end up in a failure and a prisoner of war
be a horrible thing. If you'll be like Abraham, you'll go out and defeat the enemy. If you're like Lot, you will end up being captured by the enemy. But I felt the Holy Ghost as I was preaching to you to tell you that as we move into the will of God like Abraham, this year is the year of the strength of the Lord. See, I always wait. I always wait to hear the Lord. See, I can preach the Word of God. And it's, it's His Word. It's the Logos, the general revelation of God. But I always wait for that rhema. God, what are you saying for us at the beginning of this new year? He gave it to me this morning. Strength for you. Instruction, revelation for you. As long as you stay in His will. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you. You're an awesome God. Lord Jesus, I stand before your people today. It's easy for me to speak strong and with strength and conviction. and Because of that anointing that is there. Lord, it is you. It's your word. It's your voice that wrestles with us this morning. It wrestles with me. Lord, as we choose today to build altars, to pitch tents, to sacrifice, to do Your will, we thank You, God, that You won't give up on us and You continue to wrestle with us when we have lapses. Thank you, Lord, for those who are making their way back. Thank you for those, Lord, that will make decisions to come out and cross over. In new revelations, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Just lift your hand right now. I just want to bless you in the name of the Lord. Jesus, I bless this people in your awesome name. In your name. I bless them, Lord. Spiritual victory, power, and strength. I bless them, Lord, with healing. I bless them in Your name, Jesus, with growth. I bless them, Lord. Financial needs in their life. I bless them, Lord, in Your name. In Your will. I bless this church right now. I bless this people. Bless their homes. Let peace reign. Bless their lives. Bless their children. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And lift your hands and just love Him. He's a good God. He's a good God. You don't have to get loud. You want to just love Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for Your presence this morning, which is more important than anything. Amen. Amen. The goodness of God 
He is so good. Just feel, just feel His presence. Feel His love this morning. Hallelujah. We're all weak in our flesh. Every one of us. Amen. But God is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Let's give Him a hand clap of praise. Thank you for the blood, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that thing didn't open up. Hallelujah. Amen. That, that's a lot of water. You can see it, man. Y'all were hoping that would just break open, didn't you? You're just hoping. Just, hallelujah. <laughs> I got some armor bearers in the church, man. They're watching out for their pastor. Praise the Lord. He's walking around. There's a sword hanging over his head. <laughs> they, they come to my rescue. Amen. Thank God.